97.2 camfm.co.uk on air and online your camfm welcome back uh, i don't have any idea what that track was that was that was from the uh, playlist which the, apparently is notorious the, the notorious camfm playlist it was it notorious and infamous Infamous, right, which, right. Which, which reminds me, you set us up a website, and on the website you have put that you are the unqualified will. I removed that, actually, but m- maybe I should leave it. Well, because, you know, you've got Dr. Andy Holding, and I haven't really got a title. I've been a mister, I suppose. But oh, well, I hope you've got, yeah, I hope you're mister. Well, well you, your choice, who, who actually. Who I, have, you, I, have, I have my choice of titles. If you want to use gender neutral, we're fine with that here. Absolutely. I only recently came across the title MX. Relatedly, good, good afternoon, JK. Hello, good well, afternoon. Welcome back. Thanks very much. Do you have a title? Uh, yes, it's also Doctor. So I'm the only non-Doctor? It's, yep. it's not as cool as it sounds, really. It's not worth it. Okay. It's about the only thing I got from my PhD. <laughs> Other than a lot of headaches and um, anxiety. I'm glad I did it, but I'm not sure I'd want to do it again. Doesn't everybody say that about their PhD? I think that is, that is unanimous, yeah. So we're talking about hybrids today. Yes, hi- hybrids and aliens and mutants and all kinds of miraculous beings. And a lot of, lot of sex. Well... Well, that depends on how you create them in the first place, of course. Well, that, that's true, but we are... Well, well I mean, test you. Sci- science is Sorry, a major component here. No, no, please go ahead. Well, I, I just felt it was worth bringing up the concept that we will be covering... Sec- it's an inevitable part of trying to make hybrids. It depends how. Pre-genetics? But you might be telling us some other ways of mad Russian scientists made hybrids later. Uh, yes, absolutely. But bone sores at the ready, everyone. But bones... Oh, it's scaring me now. Really scary. Right. Well, we're going to go straight into this track. Uh, just it's a comedy track by one of my favourite artists, Helenani. Uh, what? 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 If, if you're listening and you'd like to tell us about your favourite mutants, hybrids, and other wondrous beings, you can email us on studio at camfm.co.uk. You can text cam plus your message to eight zero eight zero nine, which costs you ten p, or you can use the web form on the web player. Okay. Let's make love. 
several days and then you bite me and that releases an enzyme that then dissolves your skin and your flesh and your fins leaving only a pair of genitals attached to the side of my body for me to use when it's convenient I've been waiting to find someone so animalistic misunderstood just because I like badgers and whippets and seagulls and snails who incidentally fire love darts well I brought some chocolates if you like them I'll dance like a squid or croon like a humpback whale let's make passionate love a beast with two tails or a porcupine I'll spray with wee and if you don't scream we'll get to it actually skip that one let's not do it let's get it on like pygmy chimpanzees you know constantly not rest until we've done some things that even seem odd to me I am the man to put the ooh in zoology you can be my queen I'm the drone in our colony but let's leave the metaphor there because as everybody knows when a gentleman bee is done his genitals explode oh no I've said too much now I'm alone confused waiting like a self-cloning lizard too much pseudo copulation I've done my naughty course. I know what will get you in the mood To love like an animal yes. I'll get out my David Attenborough DVD yeah. So we're sitting on the sofa with a cup of tea oh God. This is not getting us anywhere I've never seen a praying mantis in HD God, do you see what she did afterwards? She ripped his head off and, and ate it <laughs> Dear God Do you want to? No no. No. I guess we'll end up being the same animals we've always been. Pandas. 97.2 camfm.co.uk On air and online, your camfm. So that was Animals by Helen Arnie. What, what, everyone's favourite nerd songstress? Nerd songstress. She's actually producing, not producing, she, they're doing the... Festival of the Spoken Nerd at the Cambridge Chance Festival and I believe tickets are still available at FOTSN.com And that's in two weeks? I, I don't know, like 17th of March, off the top of my head Let's go with f- uh, three or four weeks, about a month About a month, yeah I'm not thinking past the 22nd because I've got a baby due <laughs> Not Personally, a hybrid that, no, that, that, that is a, an original uh, discussion to have It's a male and female hybrid I suppose it's now, it's All sorts. Uh, depending yeah. on well, not anymore. It would have uh, sex would have already been determined. She's definitely. By now. It's not like Schrodinger's baby. Okay, she's no, definitely right, a girl. Yeah. We got an ultrasound. Well, if it's any consolation, my brothers uh, were predicted that monozygotic twins. Their prediction was that there was ninety percent that they'd be females, and they turned out male. Oh, I've seen the bits. Clearly, it's it's fine. Okay. Yeah, uh, to be honest. Yeah, I, I wasn't really worried if it was boy or girl. We've already got girls, so it would have been cool for a Pokemon style. You got to collect them all to get a boy, but there's not there's not very many to collect though. Like, there's, you know, <laughs> there's, there's increasing rarity, but you know, I think I think you'll, you'll, you'll be fine. I think are, are, you, are you excited? I'm very excited. And you, 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 you've done all this before, so this time will be easy. The only so yeah, a lot of it is kind of again, so you know what you're in for. Because first time of terror is not knowing what you're in for, but this time it's now. I have another child who's going to try and help out and talk to two year old, not not known for their ability to parent. Oh, but no, later on she can she, she can care for her younger oh, son. I'm sure she'll be brilliant. I'm sure. And, and now's the time to keep plugging out some more because then you won't have to care for the others because there will be the succession of ages and they can all go and take care of each other. That's great. And also the child benefits. Oh, know. absolute winner. I mean, you can you can quit your job tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Fact. You yeah. heard it here first. <laughs> yeah. I'll be writing an article for Daily Mail tomorrow. And and many other newspapers. I think the Daily Mail is the right place to put about child benefits, isn't it? Okay. I don't. Fine. I don't think that's that's Guardian material. Okay. So, so, 
veering wildly back onto the topic of animals, <laughs> um, as was the title of that song. Um, so supposedly, you know, everyone is familiar with uh, Charlie Darwin, as he is known, uh, but to his friends. Uh, but apparently he um, didn't believe that all the different um, breeds of dog, which are all the same species, of course, could possibly have the same origin. Yeah, so I haven't got much detail on this, but I know from reading The Origin of Species, or bits that have been shoved under my nose, there's a clear bit where he says, oh, they're so varied and so different that they cannot be the same origin. But do you know what's really interesting there? I mean, this is a broad comparison. The fact is that if human popu- the humans hadn't gone through a population bottleneck somewhere between 10 and 20,000 years ago, we would be showing the same sort of variation, uh, or at least much more variability as what you see in dogs today because we've just come from a very small population and dogs have been bred and overbred and overbred some more which is why you see the the sheer sizes Um, but actually you can achieve that really quite quickly with artificial selection of course Yes, which is um, eugenics and therefore not popular these days so, so by by it's fine by, in animals, not but, safe in humans. So, by a population bottleneck, you mean um, the, the majority of humans dying out in the uh, last ice age? Yes. Well, well, basically, well, it, depending on who you talk to, it's either been um, uh, caused by the there were some massive eruptions in Asia. Uh, the Toba volcano, for example, had a lot to do with the early uh, extinction of a lot of uh, early human populations as well. Um, and one of the things that you see is that if you start from with a very limited population, basically you won't have the same level of variability. Um, so despite the fact that we've spread all over the world, uh, the original population that uh, our ancestors came from was relatively small because humans are just way too similar If considering that they should have been around for 250,000 years. This is the two elephants in the same jungle have more diversity than two humans on the other side of the world yes. argument. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I mean, one thing I've always wondered to counter that is, does the population of humans have to have actually ever been that small if one tribe of humans just basically prolifically wiped out the rest of uh, exactly the same species? I know, I mean, and it doesn't even have to be wiped out. It can be simply if you imagine that one population just had a greater reproductive success rate, and that can be for anything, that can be disease-related, and they might have even been on the same continent. Um, but that's that's all it takes. I mean, it might be that you just had a, a very small group that's... Uh, well, we know there was a very small group that spread out of Africa originally, but it's quite entirely possible that there were many hundreds of thousands more humans wandering around, but they just didn't uh, leave any viable offspring. And the, this is where you also get into the interesting discussions in terms of have there been Neanderthal and early human hybrids? Huh. Which they recently did discover genes that may suggest... Okay. Yeah, maybe. So the really difficult thing there is you've got two types of DNA. With the mitochondrial DNA, which is only passed down from mother to daughter, uh, the evidence is almost exclusively no we're really pretty sure that we don't have any neanderthal mitochondrial dna in there now they've done the same with nuclear dna which is showing that there is a possibility that might have been the case but as a lot of people know there can be it is a lot of errors it's very difficult to do those studies so i think we'll need to see many more uh, uh, many more lines of evidence yet before we go down that road many more years of study to unpick thousands of years well, of history well degraded dna i mean ancient dna i mean how analyzing that is is it is like a needle in a haystack we are getting much better at it but i think it would be jump to say that definitely there were it was interbreeding think how difficult it is for p- populations from even in today's world despite the fact that we're you know so mobile how many people actually, you know, when you look at who people are likely to breed with, it's still very often their own population basis. You know, Europeans uh, with Europeans, of course, there, there's interbreeding between different populations from around the world, but not hugely 
uh, just right. because of cultural differences. Right, and, and, and no amount of mobility changes the fact that uh, people who are born in a particular place often end up staying there. Oh, exactly. And uh, I mean, here we're talking about the same population, whereas with Neanderthals and humans, we're talking about two different subspecies. Who happen to be around at the same time. Exactly. Okay. Well, um, more on the subject of well, how to maybe recombine some of these disparate dog uh, breeds after this.
Hi, and that was uh, Skull Crash on Mountain by Jonathan Coulton, uh, featuring the uh, unusual line, I made a half-pony, half-monkey monster to please you, which I think is a kind of an unusual courtship tactic. Could be fun. Yeah. I'm, so one neat thing about um, this is that it's become kind of a... This song has become kind of iconic for him. So he, his assistant is called um, Scarface, who's the name of the assistant in this song. And people um, who are seeing, seeing Jonathan Coulton's shows live often bring plush monkeys that they've stitched to plush ponies and present them to him on stage as uh, presents to please him. And apparently they do please him, unlike the character in the song, who is extremely displeased by this. But um, so... We were talking about uh, the, dis- the disparate breeds of dogs, and uh, Juki, you found you found something about um, Vladimir Dimakov. Yes, and some very interesting experiments done in the 1950s, whereby he transplanted the head of one dog onto the body of another dog, which was also still alive. Whoa! But so, and it, it seems to have been an accident that he was trying to transplant some heart, hearts, and then. Well, the the rumor is, and uh, how how scientific this is 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 all down to speculation. But that uh, the puppy he was going to use got run over, and that he didn't want to waste the, uh, the the little poor little thing, and wanted to save it in some way. So he took the head and stuck it onto uh, another dog, which was uh, vastly greater than it in its size. But it survived for quite a while. Uh, until I think um, people eventually they all do die they haven't survived and I think eventually people decide that this wasn't really ethical it also doesn't seem very useful I mean I suppose perfecting head transplants might be good if you know, for, for people involved in auto accidents but having two heads on a dog I don't know about you but I wouldn't want my head transplanted on somebody else I don't think that's going to be very useful for my quality of life really uh, unless it keeps your head alive until they can find you a new body that that is very true I mean I think in terms of the applications I, I think we're always cynical now about some of the gruesome experiments that have been done in the past but remember that obviously when you look at um, uh, how likely an organ is to be accepted by somebody's body is is down you know that's down to many years of looking at blood you know how are things rejected so these early studies um, are quite likely still helping in some ways that the the people uh, in medical care today despite their gruesomeness i still think this is hard to call an accident oh look i've got a run over puppy well, the heart's useless, but let's go and... Oh, I've accidentally stitched it to another animal. Well, no, I'm not, I'm not approving of it. <laughs> no, I, do, actually I, is, I, I uh, love the legend. It's just like yeah. this idea... You can accidentally transplant a head. <laughs> it, this is a problem I have all the time. <laughs> <laughs> what am I going to do with this now? <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. But, so, mean, meanwhile, in the natural world, or in the semi-natural world, people end up making... Well, not half-pony, half-monkey monsters. I guess they are a little bit less likely to be viable. Yeah, so as soon as you're looking at different orders in the natural world, um, on the subspecies level, so species that are very similar. So, you can have, for example... Um, uh, a tiger and a lion they've been known to have a hybrid you've got coyotes and wolves which are actually very common in the wild in, in north america and they really have both uh, both sets of genes and they're clear mix but of course those species are already very similar on certain levels as soon as you get back to different orders of species um, we don't see any hybrids at all really but what is the definition of an order because i thought aren't isn't definitely a species two things that can't interbreed so isn't it really quite messy Uh, so it becomes messy um hugely because we're talking depending on on how you classify we're talking about different subspecies so for example if we were talking about neanderthals and humans um uh, neanderthals are uh their their species name is homo neanderthalensis and our species name is uh homo sapiens so we're two classified in some ways as two different um uh species but some people would just say no actually we were quite similar so it's just a subspecies difference in which case 
it, it you know there's enough similarities they say between behavior and genetics that you can um, allow the inter- uh, that the interbreeding will wor- will work and this is an argument that has been made for them and this is of course links me into something i had on the show notes for earlier actually is ring species where you get a set of species where and the common example is a type of gull the laris gull around the nor- which live in er- parts around the north pole and each one can breed with a neighbouring species on the sort of east and west. But if you try going across the loop, you then can't breed. Oh, fascinating. So, so, you, have, so you have a kind of a circular kind of colour wheel style arrangement yeah. of um, very similar species. And, I mean, the trouble is actually sometimes it's often far more complicated when you go and look at it. There is some mm. shortcutting that can happen. Yeah. But for the most part, you get these rings and also quite a lot of... Um, there's other birds. The greenish warbler is apparently meant to do as it forms a ring spirit around the Himalayas. Right. Uh, which, again, the Himalayas... Are, is, you normally have something that provides mm. an obstruction middle. Yeah. And there's a type of salamander that does it around the Central Valley in California. But this is also what you see in Africa. I mean, if, from a very basic point of view, people have said that the, the reason you've got chimpanzees and bonobos is because you've got the Congo River in between them. But huh. in terms of behaviour, you've got two hugely different species. You know, chimpanzees, which are, uh, you know, basically also known to commit genocide on their on, on neighbouring tribes... Uh, whereas uh, the bonobos, everybody loves and they love each other a lot and that's how they uh, settle their arguments. So you can end up with very different species. But again, I've been working in zoos and there's always rumours going around about the different hybrids between chimpanzees and bonobos uh, that have accidentally, as they've been shipped from one zoo to another, that have occurred. And, and with, with, with unpredictable behavioural results and presumably generally not, not, not fertile themselves. Uh, that depends. So what determines whether a hybrid is um, uh, fertile has a lot to do with chromosome numbers. So everybody has heard of uh, mules, for example. Now, one one of the reasons what you're dealing with there is I, I think a donkey has 62 chromosomes and a, um, a horse is 64. So try and mix and meddle those up and often they're, they're infertile. But it doesn't always have to be that way. Uh, take, for example, a woolpin. What do you think a woolpin is? I have no idea. I, I'm, I'm assuming some kind of wolf. <laughs> a wolf is it something you used to pin things to the wall with? Is it like a cross uh. between a horse and a pin? No, it's like no. a woolly jumper. A really bad, bad joke there involving kangaroos. But but I have see, to you've lost me now. I thought wolfing was confusing enough. Have you not heard the woolly jumper joke? No. Can you oh, tell me the wo- woolly jumper? Jump? Uh, maybe, maybe later. What do you get if you cross a sh- sheep and a kangaroo? A woolly jumper. Sheep and a kangaroo. This is when we needed some kind of Budum Tish sample. I mean, yes, that's very good actually. Um, um, but shall I carry that's, on? That's okay. standard in nurseries. <laughs> that, that, that's, see, I didn't grow up in England. Look what I've been missing out on. <laughs> so, a woolpin is a fertile but very rare crossbreed between a false killer whale and a bottlenose dolphin. A, f- a false killer whale being some, some kind of master of disguise. It sounds it sounds much cooler. It's than not it one is. that's made in China. No, no, it isn't. It is actually just another type of quite a big type of dolphin. But they, you know, they can be fertile. Similarly, a um, kama. What do you think a kama is? Camel uh, and a llama. Very good. Wow. Well, I was going on the idea that you just they put the two together. Pick two animals with two syllable names. Yeah, and go go with that. That's I'm I'm impressed there though. That's not um, bad. They look similar actually. These camels and llamas, not massively similar, but it's not. Well, no. it's not. If you describe an animal which has a hump, yeah, it, it could really go either way. <laughs> so um, guess what? You can uh, combine sheep and goats as well. Is that a jeep? <laughs> no, not quite. <laughs> uh, but they does are, it do thirty miles per gallon? Not quite either. No, they they're from uh, they're living in Botswana. You can also interestingly combine grizzly and polar bears. Hmm. What colour do they come out? 
uh, they um, well they come out as whatever uh, the combination can be I mean they can be black bears brown bears or polar bears depending on the way it's so they can be all sorts of colours but again they're all in the ursid uh, family so they've only fairly recently speciated into different subspecies hence the ability to to crossbreed recent recent on a kind of millennial scale absolutely yeah but in terms of geological times last week (laughs) <laughs> just okay. but I mean th- this is the critical thing the the more recently that species have diverged and what you were talking about re- recently you know you only need imagine that suddenly we couldn't uh, go across the Atlantic Ocean anymore and you suddenly had the Americas and you had Asia and, and Europe now over millions of years you can imagine that maybe we would diverge and pick up different uh, ad- adaptations so who knows who, who knows where it'll take us so dear listeners if you have your own personal favourite strange hybrid names you can write, write into us the normal normal ways studio at camfm.co.uk the web form or by text with cam plus your message to 80809 text cost 10p and with that we take you into space we're out looking for astronauts looking for astronauts we're out looking for astronauts looking for astronauts it's a little too late
97.2 camfm.co.uk on air and online your camfm welcome back that was the national with looking for astronauts did you find any um i've i'm not sure i've ever met an astronaut i haven't either have you met an astronaut uh once wow Yes, oh, we were very lucky at my school in the States. They uh, had one of the guys working at the Mir Space Station. He came down and we set up a link with the Mir Space Station as well. It was awesome. Oh, so we just had an email then. Oh, we, we had an email um, talking about a five-legged goat, which is called a geggle. Um, geggle? Yeah, I th- this is a largely uh, well mythological in the very recent sense. It's the, it's the mascot of the um, GNU Image Manipulation Program, or GIMP. Ah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a goat with um, a fifth leg on its back. I think the gaggle stands for genetically engineered goat life form. Wow. It's definitely a life form. It's definitely a goat. I think it will. It's a life form in as much as it's been sketched by someone about 10 years ago. I have got to get me one of those. But you, you do get extra limbs quite often. As in, it'll, yes. it'll defects to happen. I don't know how limbs form in, bu- in the biology, but it's something that gets duplicated, like extra fingers quite easily. Well, presumably, just like extra fingers, they normally end up around the um, joints where existing legs would be. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So having a, a leg on your back would be extremely unlikely. Well, the most common one in humans, and actually it's much more common than people realise, is having a sixth finger. Huh. Polydactylism? Yep. Which is quite common in cats as well. You, you get cats with, you know, um, 40 toes and stuff. You wouldn't notice that either that much. No. Well, the, 40 you would, but... Though some, so sometimes they end up with opposable thumbs, which is a little bit concerning for, for those <laughs> of us who think cats might want to take over the world. You're a cat fan, aren't you? Yeah, I, I'm a cat fan up to a point. So, anyway, the reason we talked about astronauts was we were going to talk about aliens in space getting it on with each other. And, yeah, it's really weird because you're saying, like, how species are about the furthest you can go. And then we're talking about things from different planets. I mean, I, I, the fact you could even physically get the things together seems quite impressive. I mean... Behaviourally, even. Well, back, but well this, this is something which is, which is often kind of glossed over in, in um, science fiction, right? You have, you know, people from wildly disparate uh, cultures, and they have, you know, superficial differences, but then they still somehow manage to become an item. No way. So, I mean, look even at, at human populations. So the concept of race doesn't even exist in humans because we're too similar. Humans are more similar between two different countries than within, you know, the same country. There's just, it's just the way we are. It's, so race is purely a social construct. Completely and utterly a social construct. It does not exist. Which, which makes it kind of hypocritical that in Star Trek, um, various aliens getting it on is absolutely fine. Yeah, so this is something I, it just occurred to me knocking together sort of some ideas for shows. But very early on, there's this famous joke that Captain Kirk always ends up with the green alien, which is genuinely just a woman painted green. And um, then at the same time, there was this massive, massive controversy when they did the first interracial kiss on Star Trek. I think it might have been the first interracial kiss on TV or something massive like that. And, and, and presumably it was shockingly recent. Yeah, if well, you figure out. Star Trek is relatively recent, yeah, so, I mean, in the scheme of things. But uh, look at how you define that even. Even now, you're calling it an interracial kiss, and it shows how deeply... It's not a criticism, but it shows yeah. how deeply embedded it is within our culture to consider it different races. But I, I, saw, I saw a great um, interview with uh, Martin, uh, Martin Freeman? I mean, Martin Freeman? Today, an act, the actor today. Uh, 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 no, Martin Freeman. Morgan Freeman. Confused. Ah, um, uh, being, being asked what he thinks about Black History Month, and his answer is it shouldn't exist, and the way to get rid of racism is to, is to stop calling people different races, which, as you say, is... The interesting thing about the Kiss phone Star Trek was that I remember watching something a while ago. One, Gene Roddenberry pushed for his thoughts, but also Spock, Leonard Nimoy Spock, uh, he very much wanted, he was originally scripted to do it, and William Shatner re- got the script rewritten, which was quite common because Shatner wanted to keep his role as being paid a lot more than anyone else by being the main character. 
But he also, when they, they did two takes, one take where he kissed her and one take where he did something like similar, but non-actual kiss. And he then stared at the camera cross-eyed to make sure it wasn't usable. Huh. So there was wow. a whole load of conspiracy between the people in it, which isn't surprising because I don't think any of those people were caught up in the politics and no. the... Which is all rubbish. And then... It's, it's, it's sad that it had to be a thing. Yeah. That, that it had to be a thing where with, with, with the cast like messing with the crew to ensure that... But the, this the prejudice didn't take to get the better of people. But what's sad is it's the same thing was kind of going on with Deep Space Nine because they had the first lesbian kiss, and I don't. I think this wasn't the first one on TV, so it wasn't quite as big deal. But the first one in Star Trek, and Deep Space Nine is very recent, and it was also a character who was a symbiotic organism, so the gender of the character wasn't even clear. So it was. It was. It was. It was so presumably that's kind of a, a way they could maybe sell it to people as being no, no, no. It's not controversial. Don't worry. It's not gay. It's just they're female bodies. Uh, and there was, of course, a uh, previously uh, lesbian relationship, though never spelled out in Babylon Five. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's been quite. Sci-fi's been quite good at actually pushing some of these things because I think they can say it's in the future. Yeah. In the future when everyone's more enlightened, which is, I guess, kind of an assumption, but it seems to be the case. Yeah, but if you think enlightenment is not these things, that's actually quite offensive. I'm saying they're stupid, but I'm happy. But if you're very strongly believing in things that we now consider are wrong, say that that's going to change in the future won't make them agree with you. That's true. That's true. I mean, it, it becomes a very interesting question. And one thing that I'd like to look into is even within the human population where everybody's so similar, one thing, and, and I don't want to be, you know, I, I, I haven't checked the science behind this yet, but um, you do often hear, for example, that when you do have, uh, for example, somebody from uh, a Chinese woman getting together with maybe a tall Scandinavian guy, that there's problems with childbirth, for example, because the size of the fetus and so forth it changes. It'd be interesting to see whether there's uh, increased incidence of infant mortality between different populations, which huh. we consider as quite different, because actually if it's so difficult within just the same species and you know childbirth in humans isn't easy by any means it's, it, it, it's, it's only become generally non-fatal due to relative oh, reasons absolutely and, and even today when you look at the statistics the chances of a female in the western world d dying uh, or, or around the world is still much greater uh, around the yeah, 18 to 26 is when they're pushing out kids yeah i'm so glad my wife doesn't have internet home to listen to this show <laughs> Apologies, yeah, I've forgotten about that <laughs> So meanwhile, um, um, Rachel Kennelly, who was a guest last term talking about the environment Has written in to let us know that there is a quote-unquote museum in London Which has a display of animals with extra limbs growing out of their backs Ooh, Which uh, sounds interesting Out of their backs? Because that is weird Is that just a euphemism? Not a euf uh, turn of phrase uh, I don't I've seen a nine-legged tarantula before Cool Was it in your house? No, no. Oh, that not, would be awesome. <laughs> There's so many people now terrified by idea of even an eight-legged tarantula in the house. Dear listeners, spiders. Spiders. They, they, do they hybridise well? Who knows? If, oh, if, I'm going to have to find that out now. If you know, write in. Yes, definitely. Yeah, and if you can think of any cool names just by mixing up two species, we don't care if they're biologically possible, we'll go with that. So do send them in to studio at camfm.co.uk or use the web form on the player or to our telephone text magical number 80809 and start your message with the word cam and text cost 10p
across Cambridge. Your station. Your Cam FM. So that was Mountain Cats by Talk Dynamic. Yeah, no. Demonic? Talk Demonic. Yes. Not Dynamic. Demonic, as in demons. Yeah, no, it's just my, I just got the, the, the... Perfect. Never heard of the band before, actually. Um, I've forgotten where I heard of them. It's, 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 all, it's, you know, a whole album of songs just sound kind of like that and all, all about that long. Um, but this came to mind because um, I, I can't remember if it, if it was Steve Frank or Trevor Wood, who were also on the show last season, um, were wondering where the expression, you know, your mother would have kittens if she found out came from, you know, to refer to nervousness and fear and so on. Um, I did a little bit of research, and it seems to have been a kind of 16th century um, Scottish uh, superstition, because there are lots of superstitions involving cats. But this one was that um, there was a genuine fear that pregnant women might, uh, if they you know, had a cat in the house, give birth to kittens rather than giving birth to babies. And so, you know, witches would say, oh, you know, your, you know, your pregnancy is painful. This is probably because you're, you've got cats in you and you're going to have to eat, drink this magic potion and pay me for it, too. Um, and so, this, yeah, this was happening as, as late as, you know, 1650. Something so, you're worried about, Andy? No, I don't go in for witches and bogus medicine in general. Uh, yeah, witches have been uncool for a while. So there's, so there's the answer. There was, there's, no, there's, there's a thing I didn't did know. Did you read the news story that in Nigeria they finally this guy managed to court the gnome that was haunting his house? No. It, it was like in the Nigerian news, it, and you can get it on the web now. And uh, <laughs> he'd had like four demonic gnomes occupying his house. And in the worst swapped bit, I think the translation was a bit iffy. But yeah, he sort of killed three of them. But the best thing about it was, well, of course they were invisible and you couldn't see them. <laughs> so even though they caught this thing and killed it with the help of some other people, uh, he, he didn't have any evidence. But they were like terrorizing all his neighbors and stuff. They were all claiming that this gnome was breaking into their houses, even though no one could see it. These things are all relative, I suppose. Uh, we worry about money, they worry about gnomes. I mean, it's pretty much invisible, isn't it? Yep. Demonic gnomes. Money. Greek economy. Yes. Both exactly. invisible. Wild intangibles. But speaking of more kind of realistic, uh, bizarre animal uh, adventures... Yeah, I mean, killer bees. Um, I hadn't realised this until recently, but did you know, in uh, a la any sci-fi movie weird strange experiment, killer bees are actually the result of scientists trying to um, breed a more tame and manageable type of bee. So they crossed the European honeybee with the African bee, uh, which was all very well, uh, except that rather than being more tame, uh, the offspring are more aggressive and highly uh, defensive. And as we all know, they escaped into the wild and... Welcome, Killer Beals. I want to see the ethics study on that. Yeah, well, I guess this is where people get so nervous about genetically modified crops and all sorts, because occasionally you only need to throw out one story like this and they assume that uh, scientists are planning to take over the world. Well, that's a serious mess up. one, One film that kind of touched on this, there's this kind of whole thing of you know, let's uh, let, let, let's let's crossbreed things to have you know new you know advances in medicine or uh, or in food production that went horribly wrong was called splice uh, yes. a few years ago have you, have you actually seen it i've seen bits of it uh, cause I, I've, I've, only, I've seen clips on the internet but it seems to be that the plot is roughly that there are two genetic scientists who are experimenting on you know hybrid creatures and one of them decides to introduce uh, human dna and into they know hybrids. it's wrong as well and they That's know a it's big wrong part of the film and of course it goes wrong and the, the the weird hybrid has a stinger tail and starts attacking people what type of hybrid is it it's human and some kind of unspe- unspecified amphibian. Okay, stingray. Stingray. I just made it up. Okay, it's well, got I mean, tail. there's this great um, there's this great sequence where the human then gives this uh, alien slash human alien hybrid a, a nice little pussycat to play with, and uh, it looks at it and splices its head through with the tail. Oh so, wow! Um, yes, uh, who knows? 
it, it goes wrong. But it, 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 it apparently the, um, the 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 scientists having created this this literal monster, you know, end up having this kind of parental attachment to it because it's like well you know it's you know it's it's kind of human they, they, they want to believe that it, it can do good even though it's all the but evidence points against such it. a human emotion i mean Absolutely. do you remember the guy crawling across the uh, the lake uh, in his underwear uh, last week to try and save his dog he uh, made the bbc news because he thought it would be a good idea once his dog fell into the pond to strip down and go after his dog who was clearly in the stress and you talk to the emergency services and they apparently in England I remember the statistic because I thought it was quite high seven people a year die trying to save their animal from some sort of harm like drowning oh, wow. why did the guy decide to strip his underwear uh, because uh, I think he was very logical and he didn't want to get his clothes wet and truly enough he did fall through the ice when he went to get the dog and then dragged the dogs to safety and presumably had some dry clothes to put but, on but also okay, it's, it's, it's hard to swim when you're wearing clothes that's true so I mean getting credit to him I think actually that was the, the more sensible option if you're going to step on dodgy ice and try and rescue your dog then um, doing that so in your underwear but it was a great scene because you've got these bright, bright red boxer shorts and this guy uh, on the ice uh, go and look it up on the BBC website if, you, uh, if you're interested <laughs> so did they get him to go back and pose for a photo? They, they, he then did an interview saying well he wouldn't recommend everybody doing that but my point is people do some you know we anthropomorphise you know we, we attach human emotions to animals all over the place and it's not necessarily the most healthy thing I mean think about how many fat dogs and cats there are in this country right because people, people quote unquote love them too much to, yes. to put them on the diet exactly. Okay, well, if you've got any stories about you going out naked late at night, crawling across ice sheets to save animals, do email them in. But please keep it clean. Well, we'll clean them. We won't, we won't read out the dirty ones. They're not funny. So that's to studio at camofm.co.uk or on the web form, which you'll know is there if you're listening online, or you can text your message to 80809 with the word cam at the beginning and text cost 10p. <laughs>
97.2 camfm.co.uk on air and online your camfm welcome back that was garden by totally enormous extinct dinosaurs which, which, which i used to think was totally awesome extinct dinosaurs which i think is a slightly better name but enormous works as well do you small dinosaurs do you get little dinosaurs um, there, there were some tiny ones, I think. Right. But weren't the raptors very small? The raptors were six foot going to Jurassic Park. Okay, well... I, I have to say that is... They're probably wrong. I pro- it's not well, a I scientific mean, look, look at the reptiles still alive today. I mean, some of them are relatively small. There was some kind of very, very small iguana found that fit, fitted on a thumb when fully Ooh, grown, discovered recently. Cool. Smallest creature I've heard of is... So do you know what a thrip is? Well, sorry, do you know what thrip are? Because it's the plural. No. No. Okay, so thrip are the little black fly things that sometimes decide to appear inside your LCD monitor. They're like a uh, millimetre across. Those are, how annoying! Urgh. Did you know there's a parasitic fly that grows inside them and pops out? What? So it- that fly is small enough to be injected. So, like, it's a... Like alien, you know, erupts out. Yeah. So there's quite a few animals do it, but it's, but it's so small, its nervous system has nerves with no nuclei in Wow. So it's like the, uh, one of a few examples of this. And they're really, really tiny. I read that on, I think his name's Ed Young. He writes a blog. Yes, he's very good. He's a very yeah. good blogger, yeah. Uh, on Discovery Blogs, isn't it? Yeah, Discovery Blog. It's uh, it's not rocket science. Check it out. I mean, if you want some fun and games, it's it's a good blog to go and read. Yeah, and so and do check out that thrip story. But, but hang on, just to clarify, the thrip, is that the little black thing or is yeah. that the parasite? No, no, the thing. The th- oh, and it's, wow. When I say a parasite, it's a parasitic fly. Fly. Oh, wow. Okay. Which is even smaller. Yep. How do you get them out of your screen? Any ideas? Uh, you're pretty much stuffed because they've grown in there. You sort of bake them out by sort of putting th- light to one side, maybe. I found a wasp inside a se- a dead wasp inside a sealed cavity of my guitar amplifier when I opened it to repair it recently. I don't know how I got in there. I guess it must have been born there. But there, there was no hole big enough. <laughs> it lived its whole life listening <laughs> to your music. Ah, oh, poor thing. That's probably why it's poor dead. Poor thing, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, maybe I've improved. I don't know. But it's funny you should mention Alien, because in one of the later, more forgettable Alien sequels, the last one, um, Alien Resurrection, um, they managed to resurrect um, the long-deceased Ripley and also resurrect the alien queen that was in her body when she died. And the resurrected, you know, reborn queen is already pregnant and somehow magically hybridized in both directions. So Ripley's slightly alien. Yeah, I mean, this was the idea of having the two DNAs mangled together. I was kind of, okay, okay, some Virginia may go across when you clone it incorrectly that that would and then you sort of get the mutant sci-fi make-believe that that gives you superpowers because she gets the acidic blood ignoring the fact that she probably wouldn't have any of the ability to cope with it whatsoever and her arm would drop off immediately but the fact she was born pregnant is like well you have to grow a clone up and even if you accelerate it you're not going to get the impregnation reappearing disappointing but back in reality apparently so the there's this whole thing of you know can we can we resurrect um, extinct animals? So apparently there was a recently extincted uh, Pyrenean ibex that was brought back to life using ten year old DNA from its skin. So they've not been extinct very long. No, so and then I think this is the critical thing because DNA degrades. I mean, you can keep it for so long. And I think that one of the things that people are often worried about are, are we going to be cloning humans sh- soon? You know, we've got Dolly now. But look at the facts on the table. All the animals that they have managed to clone tend to die. Uh, sooner than natural, uh, naturally born species. And what was the story with this ibex? I mean, how long oh, did it, it survive? It died, you know, after ten minutes because it couldn't breathe properly. Well, okay, and of course that could happen to a, a normally, you know, healthily interbred thing as well. Uh, that you get something going wrong. But actually, the cloning thing is is very. Uh, 
Fraught. Fraught. Just because we've got, so we've effectively got some of the computer code, but we're not quite sure what er, what else is influencing, um, er, making everything come together. So, so se- sequencing the genomes of various animals has just shown us how much we don't know. Pretty much. I mean, think about how excited people were when they sequenced the genome. They were going to say, oh, we've got all the diseases assorted now, you know, hereditary um, abnormalities. We can um, uh, make sure that that doesn't happen. We're going to have a hugely improved quality of life. And actually, that hasn't happened. And I think that for the very simple reason is that just having the code is only a very, very small part of a big puzzle. I mean, this is why identical twins are fine, on the other hand, is because they are properly cloned. Yeah. Well... It's simultaneously the same genetic material. But, you know, my brothers are monozygotic twins, so they're identical twins. And, and they haven't grown up. They're 24, 25 now, I forget. But they are so completely and utterly different to the point where people wouldn't necessarily re- recognize them as twins, let alone brothers sometimes. So the environment has a huge impact here. And um, the code itself is just not enough. So, yeah, we ha- there was a scare in the UK when they started saying there was cloned meat from cows. And I've just gone and looked this up because I was trying to work out why on earth would you clone cows. And the argument is that it is for money because you can get the best meat-producing or best milk-producing cow and then clone it to keep getting better ones. But I know they have defects. They have, like, extra-large red blood cells and things like that. So there are mistakes. Yeah. And I'm still surprised that just breeding cows isn't ridiculously cheaper than cloning them. Because a lot of them don't, aren't viable. A lot of your clones fail. Yeah, and uh, it raises all sorts of questions, and I wonder whether there's another side to that story that cloning uh, the uh, certain materials can be used for other things. I, I'm not quite sure, um, and I think the big issue there is uh, what you know is this actually the best way forward? Whereas, meanwhile, um, m- most bananas, I believe, are genetically identical because, of course, the, the issues of um, of gra- is it called grafting, whatever you call it, to, to, well, to, to re- bananas are seedless. Yes. Okay. This makes impossible to... Well, once in a blue moon, a banana will have seeds, and you can try and grow it and make a new banana. But it's very, very rare. There are... Plantings, I think, do have seeds, and in, like, basically the closest relative, and they have seeds. But, yeah, pl- but plants are kind of different, because a plant, you can take a cutting off, and it keeps growing. It's not a clone. It's, yeah, it's, it's the same... It's, it's the same plant cut yeah. in half, basically. Yeah. yeah and well, and also, I mean, this is a really good example when you look at bananas, and this is why people are so worried. If it ever gets hit, if what we call a banana, and let's face it, there's lots of different species of banana out Ooh. there, if it ever gets struck by a disease, it mm. would completely underwipe this the market. Is, this is really interesting. So, like, there's only about five breeds of edible banana. There's loads of unedible yes. bananas, uh, and I can't remember what they taste of. But the banana my parents would have eaten as kids is not the banana we eat today, ah. because that breed is no longer commercially viable because banana blight hasn't wiped out completely. But if you start trying to grow it, it wipes out. And the banana was a lot bigger and a lot tastier. So the banana we have now are rubbish. So if you're basically over 40, I think you can argue that bananas are no good as they used to be. So this is one someone saying, you know, back in my day, it's actually completely accurate. It's actually true for bananas. I can recommend if you're ever in the Pacific that you get these small little green bananas which look completely unripe and they're so tasty. Try and go out there and find some other types of bananas because you will, it will rock your world. And it's quite sad that we need the banana to be what it is because it's not actually indicative of what bananas are like naturally. Well, I think that's all we've got time for. I think it is. So thank you for coming back and for offering us your, your, your excellent banana advice. <laughs> thank you very much for having me. I've had a good time. So I think next week I'm going to be doing a pre-recorded show because of my daughter turning up and Will being in Belgium. Ch- check this up on um, scienceoffiction.co.uk and I won't be in Belgium. Well, you won't be in Belgium. Okay. Bye-bye.